0: Thanks for joining us today on our online campus for another message from Pastor Gary on revival in America. As we look how America needs to, number one, turn back to God and also go back to its spiritual roots, which it was founded on. And if God has really touched your life, we'd like to encourage you to check us out on our website, etag.tv. Or be able to go there and support this ministry if he's been using it in your life. And you can worship God through giving and supporting this ministry so that people around the world can hear messages just like this one. Now I invite you to prepare your heart as you hear that message from Pastor Gary. says, I will bless the Lord at all times. The psalmist says, let everything that hath life and breath praise the Lord. The only excuse that you have for not praising God today is if you're dead. And if you're dead, we have some doctors in this room and some nurses, some EMT, uh, that we will go get the paddles. We've got them out there in the foyer, amen. And we will shock you back to life, amen. I am not gonna do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, but I will shock you, amen. I'm telling you, the church has reason to praise God. America has reason to praise God. I'm thankful I live in America. I'm thankful that I am an American citizen, that I have the freedoms that I enjoy in this nation. You may not be thankful enough to praise God for it today, but I want to tell you something. I'm thankful to be an American. I'm thankful to be in the house of God. I'm thankful for the goodness of God. Come on, I will bless the Lord at all times. Hallelujah. Everyone stand for the reading of the scriptures. Tur- turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. When I said that about shocking you with those paddles, I thought about Pastor Rayleigh, Pastor Jim Rayleigh, about a month ago. On Sunday morning in the early service, his, one of his key intercessors seated on the front row just sl- slumped over and fell out on the floor. And uh one of the leading doctors in all of the Ormond Beach area. In fact, we had people in this service right now that were in that service when it happened. And uh, they could find no pulse, no heartbeat, no sign of life. And uh, Pastor Pastor Rayleigh called me right after our service was finished and his service was done. And he said, I gotta tell you what happened. And uh, they could find no life But when the church prayed, he said, all I can tell you is that church would not let that woman die. And uh, he said, one of the doctors started giving her mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and she came back to life. And she told me after the service, she said, Pastor, when I came back to life and that man was kissing on me, she said, I looked at him and said, what do you think you're doing? He said she got up, fixed her wig, and then had a shouting good time in the Lord. Amen. Well, I just imagine if God raised you from the dead, you'd get a little more excited than you do sometime. I have watched people this week. I haven't seen a lot as far as hours are concerned of the World Cup, but I've watched passionate people crazy about their countries. Friday night, or or yesterday afternoon, uh, when Colombia and Uruguay were playing, I saw some of those fans, and they spotlighted them. How crazy and fanatical. And I thought, you know, you will worship the loudest and the hardest for the God in your life. Whatever that is. You'll talk the most about, and you will show affinity towards whatever is the leading God in your life. And I think on this Sunday morning, for those that have come to the house of God, when you could be boating, you could be fishing, you could be doing other things, sporting events, but you're here to worship. You know that Jesus Christ is Lord and all of those other things get behind His Lordship you may enjoy those things on saturday but let me tell you if you showed a lot of passion out there on that run yesterday and excitement on that run that many were involved in you need to come up in the house of god today and there needs to be a shout in your mouth there needs to be some praise in your life don't you dare worship sports more if you on the softball field got crazy and got excited about hitting a home run you need to get crazy and excited in the house of god that jesus saved you he has redeemed you he has brought you out of the mire clay come on let's lift up a shout to the lord right now All over this house. Hallelujah. 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 Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For this is the whole commandment of God. Hallelujah. Come on, just give the Lord one more praise offering before we... (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. The veterans of our church have created a little God and country fan that you may want to purchase for tonight out there. It also works good. Amen. If it gets hot when I'm preaching and you get under Holy Ghost conviction, you may want to be back there fanning. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 8. The first... few verses are talking about the dedication of the temple, and then verse 10, when everything is in place in the temple, and the ark has been set in place. In verse 10 of chapter 8 of 1 Kings, and it came to pass when the priests were now come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. This is not talking about one of our atmospheric clouds, one of the beautiful uh, Friday afternoon. There were some gorgeous clouds on our skyline, just very different from the norm. And it was beautiful to behold because uh, my wife and I and family, we commented about just something unusual about the cloud structure and the type of clouds that were over the city of Jacksonville Friday afternoon, but this was not those kind of clouds This was a cloud representing the Shekinah, the manifest glory of God. And it says, when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the glory of God, the cloud of his presence, filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not even stand to minister because of that cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. Please keep your Bibles open. Last week, we looked at 1 Kings chapter 11, years after chapter 8. We looked at chapter 11, and uh, these were years later in Solomon's life. Solomon had turned 50, and the Bible says that when he turned 50, it says in verse 4, he was old. Everybody say old. old. I saw two of the ladies from the the church this week in a restaurant, and they said, Pastor, you called us old. No, I didn't call you old. The Bible called you old. God called you old if you're 50, amen. I'm more than 50, so I'm old. I'm right there with a lot of us, amen. But God says, Solomon, you are old, And what happened when he turned 50? He got satisfied with all of the blessings and all of the goodness that God had bestowed in his life. And verse 4 says his heart was not perfect with the Lord. Be careful that when God has so bountifully blessed you that you forget where your blessings have come from. That's why the study of Deuteronomy is so important because we looked at it this past Wednesday night from chapter 8. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, because God calls his people to remember lest you forget. The greatest way to not forget God's goodness is constantly remember. Every week, every day, you ought to remember God's been good to me. And if you constantly remember how good God's been, you will not do what five times he says in chapter 8, lest we forget the blessings of the Lord. And so what happens in Solomon's life In verse 4, he says his heart was not perfect. He began to forget the blessings of God and where his blessings came from. It says in verse 6 of chapter 11, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. You will do evil when you've lost the fear of God in your life. Amen? Verse 9, it says that the Lord was angry with Solomon. His downfall, however, began with chapter 11, verse 1. And I did not point this out last week, but I want to point this out this morning. Chapter 11, verse 1. Solomon allowed many strange women into his life. The reason they were called strange was because they were of foreign descent and had foreign gods in their life. And they turned his heart. They made him tolerant. Towards things he would have never been tolerant towards. Be careful when you begin to be very tolerant with things that you know the Word of God speaks clearly concerning. I'm going to come down and say amen to myself right there. Amen. Be careful of that word and that concept of being tolerant when the Word of God has a strict definition of how we're to believe. Solomon had already broken the law of God. We read it this week. I think it was... uh, about Thursday, Wednesday's reading in chapter 17 when in Deuteronomy 17 God specifically had decreed that you not amass to yourself horses, that you not amass to yourself gold, and that you not bring in amass to yourself many wives. He was quite clear. And Solomon broke all three of those from the Torah, from the law. He disobeyed those and he became tolerant because he allowed those gods uh, to affect his life. And God knew that if you allowed those things, your heart would not be perfect. Be careful of the strange women you allow in your life. Be careful of the strange men that you allow into your life. I'm going to just get down here and preach just a moment because the devil wants to trip you up. And if the devil can put a strange man in your life that tries to catch your eyes, he's got an ulterior motive. He wants to trip you up so that your heart is no longer perfect with God. Be careful of the woman that crosses your path, that winks at you, Proverbs says, that begins to be flirtatious with you. I'm telling you, the devil will put a strange woman in your path because he wants your heart not perfect with God. Amen. Let me tell you something, because of strange women, And getting old and his heart not perfect, his heart not passionate after God, Solomon builds three altars to false gods. He builds an altar to Ashtaroth, the goddess of fertility. Now here's the man that we just saw and read about the dedication of the temple and the glory of God. But because he had regarded iniquity in his life, what does the psalmist say? If I regard iniquity in my life, the Lord will not hear me. If you've got sin in your life, God's not listening to your prayers. And so you need another God. He needed an Ashtaroth. He needed a Milcom. He needed a Chemosh, a God of war. When there is sin in your life, you will need other gods. Well, that's good preaching. God had commanded him concerning certain things. And Solomon broke those things. Parents, remember that your sin can cost your children and the following generations. His word says in verse 10, God was angry with Solomon. But he said, because of your father, David, I'm not going to rend the nation from you. I will take it from your son. His son reaped because of his father's sin. There is a generation today that is embracing false gods. There is a generation that is embracing because, you know, we, we don't hear, god, we don't see God answering prayer. We, we, we think God's gone on a far journey when all along it's our heart that is not perfect towards God. And we've got to have some false gods. We've got to have a, a goddess of fertility. We've got to have a war god. We've got to have a, a god of plenty and a, a fire god when we've regarded iniquity in our life. I want us to contrast, though, the previous days of Solomon. The years before. That was the latter end of Solomon's life. But years before, he had known the touch of God. He had known the glory of God. Solomon had led a nation towards God. And at one time, the nation and and his life so blessed that the other nations were coming to see the fame and the glory of God. Go back to chapter 8, verse 1. Solomon had finished the temple. The the building of the temple was important. The structure was important. Never minimize church building programs. God is behind them. You can't read your scriptures and be a true student of the word of God without understanding that God is behind building programs, church building programs. In verse 1, he assembles all the leaders. And it was time to bring up the Ark of the Covenant. Remember what the Ark represented? The presence and the glory of God. Verse 2, all of the men of Israel assembled themselves. This is one of those three times that I told you about a few weeks ago that the men of Israel, every man, had to assemble and had to come to the temple. You didn't have a choice. Three times a year there were mandatory attendance by every male throughout the nation. And so they would all come and every person, men and women, had to bring a sacrifice, had to bring a first fruits offering. These three times were important. And so all of the men were, this was the fall feast and it was the feast of tabernacles when the the, uh, temple was being dedicated. And every male had to be present and had to have an offering. A new level of glory was about to be experienced. Verse 3, the priest took up the ark. The priest carried the ark. It was not for just anyone to touch the ark. Remember Uzzah when he touched the ark and God smote him because he had touched the ark? Be careful what you touch. Don't touch the mountain. Don't touch the ark. Don't touch the priest or God's anointed. Be careful what you touch. I'm declaring the word of the Lord be careful what you touch. There are some things that God says don't touch. They are sacred unto me. They brought the ark and all the vessels, all the instruments of worship, and they placed them, this is chapter 8, right up through verse 8. There was nothing in the ark, verse 9 says, but the two tablets. What had happened? We know that Aaron's rod was one at one time in the ark, and we know that the golden pot of manna was one time in the ark. It is believed in 1 Samuel chapter 5 when the Philistines had the ark, the symbol of the presence of God, that when those Philistines opened that ark and and the judgment fell on them, it was at that time when the golden pot of manna and Aaron's rod was taken out of the ark, leaving only the two tablets of God's handwriting left in the ark. But in verse 10, everything in this temple is built. Remember, David had a heart to build the temple, but Solomon carried out the building of the temple. And here, everything is in order. The ark has been brought in to the house of God. It's been set into the holy place. You can read the whole story there. It's a powerful passage. Every utensil, all of the instruments of worship are in place, and the the priests get out of the most holy place, and then the glory of God begins to fall in the house. The priest had to bow down. I want to say to the church of America, there are too few times when the glory is so manifest in the churches of America that the priest and the ministers have to bow. There are far too few times when the priest have to get down on their faces because the house is filled with the cloud of his glory and the cloud of his presence. Let me tell you, friends, you can tell when God is here and when God isn't. And I'm telling you that in, in America, we need the houses of worship to be filled with God, His presence. We must be about His presence. And when He shows up, there's going to be times, there will be times when you just have to get down because the glory of God is so powerful. There will be times, friends, that you self cannot stand. Self cannot be edified. Self cannot boast of itself. And you've got to get down and just humble yourself before God. You've got to get down because the glory of God is manifest. It says the priests could not stand to minister. They fell on their faces before God. Pastor, you look mighty silly up there. I'm not down here because of you. Amen. Amen. I'm down here because I recognize there is a sovereign God. There is a holy God. There is a mighty God. I can't do anything, but with God all things are possible. He can turn a nation around with a man laying on his face and crying out to God, be merciful. The glory of God filled the temple. Solomon recognizes that God had blessed Israel, that God had blessed Jerusalem, that God had blessed his life. And he prays prayers. You can read those prayers. It's some powerful prayers. Prayers that God would answer to send rain, and that God would bring restoration of the land and protection of the land and deliverance from sickness and from enemies. That God's abiding favor would be there. God was with Israel and God was with Solomon and Solomon knew this and he blessed the Lord God because of his faithfulness. If God has been with you, if God has been with your family, if God has blessed you, I want you to throw up your hands and I want you to bless God with Solomon of old. At this point in his life, he blessed God. He gave praise to God. I wanna talk to you about the glory of America. From Christopher Columbus, whose name meant the light bearer, to the French Huguenots, to the pilgrims, men came seeking a place to worship Jehovah God. So much of all our foundation as as a nation was directed by God's mighty hand upon us. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Not just many gods, Not a multiplicity of gods, not a plurality of gods, but Jehovah God, the God of the Bible, the God of the Word. As our colonies were emerging, God's hand could be found, His handprint could be seen. The formation of our government, and I referred to this last Sunday, Harry Truman's statement, taking us back that our laws, even our Bill of Rights, go back to the very words of the Scripture and taken out of the Word of God foundation of this government, the foundational leaders were instruments in the hands of Almighty God. I declare to you that our Christian foundation is of record of history and that we will not allow it to be threatened. We will not allow the truth of our history to be discredited. We stand flat-footed and declare God bless America and God was the reason for America. A man named Isaac Potts witnessed General George Washington in the woods during the Revolutionary War, praying and calling on God. He wrote of the intensity and the passion with which Washington prayed. He was knelt and he was crying down to God and as Isaac Potts watched without Washington knowing it, He said tears were flowing down his face and he was agonizing with God over America and the help of God in the Revolutionary War there at Valley Forge. As we honor our nation's birthday, what Isaac Potts wrote concerning Washington was that Washington believed that America was the cause of God. America was not just a good idea a novel idea, man's idea. But America was literally the cause of God. John Adams writing because of our nation's birthday, on our first birthday, as a nation, he said, men should never forget. We should always remember, and therefore we urge the, the having of festivities and, 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 and having illuminations, and, uh, which were fireworks and, and, and festivities and recognition that God birthed this nation. Friends, there is spiritual significance behind what we do, there is history behind what we do. America was not man's thought, it was God's thought. When all of this was birthed about having God and country united, the Lord impressed in my heart as I was driving by the church one day, and I remembered this massive American flag that we used to display on this platform. And the Holy Spirit put it in my heart to put that flag on the cross, to create a symbol. We love America. We're thankful for the flag. We honored it with our national anthem a few moments ago. And choir and everyone, you did an outstanding job. Thank you. But I want to tell you, that flag only finds its foundation upon the cross. The footing of America is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. America was God's thought, God's providence. And God blessed America. We must understand that God's hand has been upon this nation and it's time to return to the God of our salvation and the God of our foundation. I want everyone to turn to Joel chapter 1. For church, it's time to arise. What we're doing this afternoon, taking the church outside, is not just a good idea, it's a spiritual idea. There is spiritual importance to what we're doing. Because we're gonna worship God under the cross and under the flag. And we're gonna to celebrate to our city. As city leaders will be coming, our mayor is coming, and other city officials. And people will be joining us. We want to make a clear statement we believe God in America is our only hope. We must have God. But if we don't declare this, who will? If you do not transmit this to your family, that you love America and that you're thankful for America and you honor America, I'm asking you, what are you going to do this week to transmit that to your following generation? How is your grandbaby going to know that you really believe in the God of this nation and the values that made America great? At some point, you got to do something. At some point, and I believe Evangel Temple is doing something in a big way. This church family is doing something in a big way to tell a city and to tell people driving by. As tens of thousands of people this week, every day tens of thousands have seen that flag on the cross. And I have prayed every day, God, let them know clearly we believe that the cross is the foundation of a great America. But Joel stands up to prophesy. Now watch this. Solomon dies around 926 B.C. He dies at 60. At 50 is when his heart was no longer pure before the Lord, perfect or passionate. When you allow your passion towards God to begin to subside, you will embrace other gods, and you'll need a goddess of fertility. You'll need a god of fire, and you'll need a god of war. And I could explain why all three of those were important, but you will need those gods because your God's not listening if there's iniquity in your heart. So you got to turn to other gods. He dies 10 years later after he embraces these and builds these altars to these gods and allows this idol worship in the land. When God had clearly said, thou shalt have no other gods before me, and he turns to other gods. You're here this morning because you're here to worship Jehovah God. Amen? But if you don't guard your heart, the passion will begin to dwindle. Keep the fire burning. But at 926 B.C., he dies. 200 years later, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, overthrow the northern kingdom. Now, following Solomon, the kingdom divides. God says, I'm going to honor David, and I will not rend the kingdom from you, but under your children. And so when his son takes over, God rends the kingdom and the kingdom separates and becomes a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was Israel with 10 tribes. The southern kingdom, Judah, with two tribes, Benjamin and and, uh, Judah. Benjamin and Judah. And and, uh, the house and lineage of Solomon continued under Judah, but not under the northern kingdom. 200 years after Solomon's death, the northern kingdom's taken into captivity because they never repented, never turned back to God. A hundred and a few years later, the southern kingdom falls to Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. Fifty years before the fall, there's a prophet that gets up in the land. There's a prophet, Joel, that gets up and starts prophesying to a nation to turn back to God, to repent of your ways, You see, 50 years is not a long time. 200 years is not a long time. We look at it, but friends, it's not a long time when God's dealing with nations because he's ever merciful. And God's calling a nation to repent. David Wilkerson left this life preaching and declaring judgment was coming to America. But just because it hasn't doesn't mean it's not on its way. There were prophets that stood up during those times declaring judgment is coming, judgment is coming, judgment is coming, and it came. It just came years later, but it still was coming. Judgment is coming on America unless America turns to God and repents. And so Joel, the prophet, and I want everybody to look at Joel chapter one. I want our worship team to come back. Joel chapter one, we're gonna close with this. Joel chapter one. Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, if you're having trouble finding it, amen. Right before Amos. I want everyone to stand as I read these scriptures. I'm going to put this on for the purpose of you just trying to take Pastor Gary out of the picture here. and You just see an Old Testament Jewish prophet standing up prophesying to a nation. Listen to the words of Joel. He said that which, this is verse 4 of chapter 1. That which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locusts eaten. And that which the locusts hath left, hath the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. He names four insects that were coming as destroyers that he saw in a symbolic vision. Friends, he saw symbolically the judgment coming to the nation through four insects that God was naming there. As I was studying this passage and last night, I went home and I walked out to my garden and I was just looking over the garden. And I noticed right there beside the garden, a very large locust. And I went over and grabbed that thing. Because I've been studying about these locusts that were coming as destroyers. And I said, you're not going to have my garden, amen. And uh, he bit the dust, amen. He wasn't going to get my garden. He's not going to get our nation. But Joel stands up and he says, these insects are coming to destroy the land. He says in chapter 2, look at it. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh. For it is nigh at hand. And he says, blow the trumpet. Blow the trumpet. Sound an alarm to my people. Day of judgment is coming. Look at verse 12. Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart. Remember the perfect heart that was lost? With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. If your heart has become crusty, if your heart has become hardened, if your heart, because of the culture, and because of... Just life has become crusty and hard. It's time to plow up that ground. To allow the Holy Spirit to touch the ground of your heart. To rend your heart and not your garments. To turn unto the Lord, for He is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and of great kindness. And repenteth Him of evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him? You know what? God's always just been looking for repentance and turning from our sin. America has sinned. America has turned from God. America has served other idols. We've embraced other gods. And God says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. He says, I'm slow to anger. I'm gracious, I'm merciful, I'm forgiving, but a man must repent. A nation must repent. And Joel standing there as the prophet of God, 50 years before destruction begins, he says, Sanctify a fast, blow the trumpet, assemble the people. Look at verse 15. Sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast, and let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine inheritance to reproach. I just believe we need to cry out to God this morning on our nation's birthday we're gonna have festivities tonight we're gonna to fast for seven days I'm asking everyone to do a meats and sweets fast for seven days except on the fourth for your celebration meal there's grace for that meal amen But other than that meal, I'm asking for you to fast with us, if you can, if you will. Our families are in trouble. Our nation is in trouble. And we need God to come to America. We're going to pray for America in just one moment. But Joel looks, God shows him that the nation will not turn and so judgment comes. And he writes concerning post-judgment with verse 28. And afterward, it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. We're living between the first two blood moons. We're seeing all of the the signs in the heavens. More than 100 earthquakes a few days ago in 24 hours. God's shaking some things. God's shaking families. God is shaking individuals. God is shaking a nation. We must rend our hearts. God's not interested in you rending your garments. Don't be like the scribes and the Pharisees. Rend your heart. It's time to get a perfect heart. It's time to call on God to restore the passion for God, the passion that caused us to humble ourselves and and give our lives to Christ and see our families one to God in this hour. He says, And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you need to repent of sin, or you're wayward, you're away from God, you're a prodigal, you need to get closer to the Lord, I want you to move from where you're standing. I want you to come to the altar right now, from all over this room, all over this room. If you need prayer, I want our altar workers to come to the front. Please, all the altar workers, designated altar workers, please come to the front. If you're here this morning and you've been struggling and battling sin, iniquity is trying to develop in your life. I encourage you, come repent of that right now. Come, come, come. If I My spirit will not always strive with you. I am tugging at your heart. Even in the early hours this morning, you know I've been dealing with you. I've been calling you. I've been impressing upon you to run to the altar, run to the mercy seat. There is forgiveness. There is graciousness. There is love. There is mercy. But there first must be repentance. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. The Spirit and the bride says come. From up in the balcony on this lower floor, maybe even watching right now by live stream, I want you to come, come on come if you've been struggling if the devil has been attacking you to to ca- try to cause you to lose your passion your perfect heart I want you to come from where you're standing if you cannot honestly say this morning I have a perfect heart towards God I want you to come from where you're at come on come if you do not have a perfect heart towards God move from where you're standing come do what these are doing right now I'm telling you the Spirit of God is calling God is trying to awaken a generation, awaken a people in this hour. Come. Pastor Joel Strickland hit the pavement at 65 miles an hour with his body. He told me yesterday, he said, I bounced down the interstate like a golf ball, but God spared his life. I wanna tell you, friends, God is calling each and every one of us. God will not always strive. God will not always deal. Don't harden your heart. I want everyone in this room, they're going to pray for these who have come, but I want us to pray over America right now. Come on, slip your hands up and let's pray. God, be merciful. God, be merciful. God, be merciful to our nation. I want you to cry out for a revival in America. Lord, what we do tonight is because we believe you've called Evangel Temple to be very visible, very vocal. To not be silent, Lord. We will not be silenced, oh Lord. But God, we shout. We shout to a city. We shout to our families. We believe we need God back in America. We need a revival. We need a nation to turn to God. Lord, we're passionate in calling upon you today. To save our nation, to turn our nation around. We repent for the wickedness, the sins of America. On our national holiday, on our nation's birthday, oh God. We embrace you. We declare you. We listen to the prophets of old. We heed the word of God. We rend our hearts and not our garments. Be merciful to us, O oh Lord. Have mercy. Come on, everybody cry out to God for mercy. Have mercy upon us, O oh God. If you want to pray for America, I want to invite you to come to the front right now. There are people that feel passionate about praying for America. I want you to move from where you're standing. If you need healing in your body, I want to invite you to come right now. Every person that needs healing, I want you to come, and every person that wants to pray for our nation. Come on, Jennifer, lead us in that song one time through before we're dismissed. had an elderly minister in this city told me this week he said I'm in my 80's now he said I started in 1955 praying every day for God to send revival to America he said all my ministry I've been praying God visit this nation with a great awakening I believe God wants to do that I want everybody to lift your hands come on lift your hands Let's cry to God. Cry to God for His mercy. Cry to God for His grace. Cry to God to save our children. Cry to God to bring, restore our families. Cry to God to visit this nation to once again bring us back. Forgive us, O oh Lord, God of history, who always remembers, who never forgets. O oh God, we repent for our sins and we cry out for a national revival. Lord, we repent for the sins of America. We repent for the false gods, the idols, the graven images. And we celebrate your goodness. We celebrate your greatness. That it is truly only the hand of God that's been upon us that has blessed this nation. We declare God bless us once again. God bless America once again. This is our cry. This is what we're desiring, O oh Lord. So we rend our hearts we fast, we pray, we seek the Lord while He may be found that in times of refreshing you might visit this land. Send the rain, O oh God. Send the rain of Your Spirit. O oh God, let there be a mighty visitation in this hour. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we just declare we need You in this nation. Lord, we will not give this nation up to those that want to discredit our spiritual history, our Christian foundation. But as a church family, we make a statement as loud as we can make it. So Holy Ghost, take this statement and let it echo to the nation. Let it resound across this city that we want God in America. And we declare God's favor and God's blessing upon this land. That we love you, God. We honor you, Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer.